0: Well, welcome everyone. Uh, Welcome everyone to New Life. My name is Young, pastor here at New Life. I was really uh, enjoying the uh, songs that we heard today um, as we were worshiping today. I think the praise team always does such a great job of choosing the right songs um, that really kind of dovetail with the message that we have as well. I think Stella just did a really fantastic job of actually uh, talking about the word that we're going to be Uh, reading through today. Um, I kind of wanted to hear the rest of it and just to uh, hear her preach. Maybe I can invite her back up here, but she is missing now. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, as mentioned, my name is Young, uh, pastor here at New Life, and I definitely want to welcome you, especially uh, if you are new, especially if you're struggling uh, through this time Um, Whether or not you are new, or whether or not uh, you've been around for quite a while, I know it can be a time um, that can be a little bit difficult as we try to figure out just exactly uh, where the world is heading and where uh, our state is heading as well. Um, Before I get into the word, how about I invite you into a time of fellowship. Um, I know that because of the uncertain times, it might be a little bit daunting to approach someone in person or to have someone approach you. Um, So, how about we actually join in with the YouTube live chat today, so, you know, this is like one of the only times I'm going to say, yeah, take out your phones and look at your phones instead of uh, paying attention up here. So, if you aren't actually subscribed to um, our YouTube channel, um, it is New Life Sydney, and so it's very, very easy to find, and you'll be able to see um, our service today, which is live. So, you can just pop up onto there um, on the live chat and you'll be able to uh, participate in the uh, chat that's happening. Um, perhaps if we can share about maybe the last movie that you saw that really got you thinking um, and you know, what it got you thinking about, yeah? Um, so I'll give you guys maybe like five minutes for that. Um, I'll participate as well, and then we'll get back to uh, the word itself. They say it's uh, hard sometimes for preachers to judge time. Um, Hopefully you won't find it that way um, throughout the sermon, but uh, maybe we can wrap up the fellowship time there. Um, I got to read a couple of them. Um, How much time has passed since the uh, the first Spider-Man? Has it been 20 years? Please don't tell me it's been 20 years. It's a long time. Wow, can't believe how much time has passed. just a bit of a comment on the uh, current coronavirus situation. I know a lot of people are feeling anxious, a lot of people are feeling a little bit worried, and I know it's been especially tough since it's only the second Sunday uh, of the new year, and yet it's still going on uh, today. And you know, we're gonna run out of letters of the Greek alphabet uh, very, very soon, I feel like. Um, but please do have patience and understanding as plans do change. Um, even here with New Life as well, um, it can be a little bit understandable that you know, things can be a little bit frustrating, um, especially if you're among you know, those that go grocery shopping, you can't find the stuff that you're used to finding. Um, but just a good reminder to pray as well. It's a good reminder for myself as you know, I struggle through uh, coronavirus and what it means for us um, as a family and as a church as well. But do be reminded to pray. I think for everyone uh, on earth, each new year begins with just so much hope and so much feeling like, you know, just looking forward to what the new year will bring. And then that can very quickly fade as people realize that New Year's resolutions are pretty difficult, you know, to actually keep. Um, And circumstances out of the control of uh, their hands still continue to be out of their control rather than you know, just the ticking over of the new year, uh, suddenly making things easier. But for us Christians, uh, we have every moment, uh, no matter how shaky, we actually stand upon the solid ground of hope, as you heard from Psalm 40 earlier as well. We know our God cares for us, and He doesn't forsake us. And so I do keep in mind that word hope, you know, continue to have hope, continue to hold hope firmly in your uh, hearts, uh, and do pray for those among you that you know are stricken with COVID, um, do pray for those who are struggling with anxiety, um, if that's yourself as well, you know, particularly within your own hearts, uh, and pray that you yourself uh, would live in the reality of hope. Now, I'll read our passage to us and then I'll pray for us. Galatians 4, verses four to five, reads this. When the time came to completion, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Let's pray. Father, many of us have been to church for quite a long time, and many of us have called ourselves Christians for quite a time as well, Lord. And then there are those among us that Uh, don't yet know this truth. But wherever we stand today, Lord, we pray that the gospel would enter our hearts and our ears fresh uh, as though we're hearing it for the first time. We don't want it to be um, just old news or old information that comes in, but we want it to be new this morning, God. We want it to provide fresh hope for our hearts, Lord, because our hearts, Lord, are are parched uh, and dry ground. For many of us, Lord, as we enter into 2022, uh, we're struggling already as we think about uh, the situation that goes on around us, Lord. But your good news, your gospel of grace is not situational. It's there for us, Lord, constantly. Your love for us doesn't change. It's not like uh, passing circumstances or like the weather or like Uh, whatever else that we can liken it to, but it's steady, it's steadfast, and it never changes. We thank you, Lord, that your son Jesus was sent, that he might secure this love for us and that we might actually live in this love, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would renew just an appreciation, a love for this grace in our hearts once again, that you would help us to return to it, God. Or if it's our first time, that you would help us, Lord, to turn to it and to receive the gift of grace that you have for us. We pray, Lord, that this year can be marked by hope for all of us, Lord. We pray, Lord, that this year can be the year that we can say we have loved you the most out of any years of our lives. We pray for those that are struggling right now, Lord. We pray for our church family and our wider family beyond that as well, Lord, that you would be with them, that you would bring healing to all of those that are hurting whether mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually. We know, Lord, that you're the God of supplication. We know, Lord, that you're the God who heals. And we know, Lord, that your compassion runs deeper than any of ours. So we ask, Lord, that in your compassion that you would reach out your hand and touch all of us, Lord, that you would bring healing. We pray for the anxious. We pray that we will be able to trust in you and place all of our hope firmly in you knowing, Lord, that you are good and that you would never forsake us. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us through the word prepared this morning. Be with us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're in week two of our new series uh, for 2022, A Better Life is Waiting, where uh, we kind of examine where new life is at, where God is taking us, and how we can join in together with what he has already begun in our midst. Because God is already in our midst, he's already doing something. And one thing he has already begun in our midst is right there in our vision statement that we say every single week, glorifying God in the gospel of grace. If you've been with New Life for a while, you've heard it from many different voices as we've had different presiders come up, we've had different praise leaders say the same thing as well. We introduce each service by stating that we exist for the glory of God in the gospel of grace. And so how appropriate that the center of our faith is the center of our existence as church together as well. But what does this actually look like? You know, Perhaps you've asked this question yourselves as you've heard this phrase again and again. What does this actually mean? What does this actually look like in our lives? What does it mean for our church to be defined by a culture of grace, and what does a renewal of grace entail? Here's the point of our passage today. God himself has come to not only rescue us, but to renew creation on our behalf through the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. God himself has come. The passage that we read today, Galatians 4, 4 4-5, is Paul presenting this very clearly. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. This is our justification by faith. So the basis for it comes from Paul's explanation of who Christ is and just how he actually saves us. So, notice then the start of the passage. When the time came to completion. The question what is the time coming to completion? What does that actually mean? Because we're still here. So, all of time hasn't come to completion, obviously. You know, my son Jonas, uh, his grandparents, so my mom and dad, they've been talking about how they would like uh, for each of his birthdays, up until he turns 18, uh, they wanted to open up an account under his name and kind of deposit a little bit of money each year. And then, you know, he turns 18. So Jonas will be the owner of this account and everything in it. But only when that time comes to completion can he actually access everything that's in that account. Similarly, Paul talks earlier in Galatians about how a child, though he owns everything, only comes into his full inheritance at the time set by his father and the child he's describing there is us. We are those children. God appointed a time to send his son into human history. This is an intervention that God has pre-appointed supernaturally. Why? Why has he done this? The passage goes on to tell us about how God sent son is born into this world. He's born of a woman, he's born under the law, why? Why go through all this trouble? In order to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. There it is. Redemption in order that we might receive adoption as sons. Rightful heirs to this inheritance. I think about that word sons, you know, quite often, because obviously we're not all sons in here you know we have some daughters in here too and i'm aware that most churches are made up of more women than men as well but you have to remember in this society sons are the ones that receive an inheritance and all of us whether male or female we receive this inheritance through the adoption as sons this is why jesus came and what we receive through faith in him this is the content of the gospel that we talk about. Who Jesus is cannot be separated from what he accomplishes. So the glorious identity of Jesus as son of God and the rescue mission that he completes, they're together, you can never separate them. So these two things, They're doctrines that you might have heard of before if you've been around uh, churches for a while of Christology and soteriology. They're united under God's gracious initiative and his divine purpose. His purpose doesn't simply end with our salvation either. Otherwise, our lives here on earth will be complete once we profess to faith in Christ. We just kind of disappear, if that was the case. Otherwise, our mission here at New Life would also be complete the moment that we bring someone to salvation, and then we'd say, all right, well, we're done with you. We have no other plans for you. Thanks for coming to church. But in salvation, again, through the gracious initiative that he takes, he adopts us, and then sets new glorious purpose for our lives in taking on the purpose of Christ's life upon ours. This is the breadth and depth of the meaning when we talk about how God sent his son. These four words, they make up one of the greatest summaries of this gospel of grace to us. When we talk about the gospel of grace, this is what we're talking about, God sent his son. We see God's divine intention in taking the initiative and sending his son. Jesus' coming to earth was not an accident. It wasn't a backup plan, but it was a fulfillment of all the prophecies of the Old Testament, what God said that he would do, and then the unfolding of this great plan of salvation at his appointed time. These four words, they represent the intersection of our world, our time, our space, and God eternal. Think about this. God always in existence before anything in all of creation creates the world, creates time, creates space, and everything that we know here on this earth. And though he has always continued to exist, he enters directly into our world, our time and our space, in a form that we can relate with, in a likeness with which he can empathize with us in every way. So God not only sent his son Jesus from the manger to the cross, but he sent him from heaven to earth to not only be born as a true human, but then to become a curse for us as well. There's a Scottish theologian, uh, James Denny, he describes it this way. Christ not only became man bound to obedience, but he became curse for us. He made our doom his own, He took on him, not only the calling of a man, but our responsibility as sinful men. It's in this that his work as our redeemer lies, for it's in this that the measure, or rather the immensity of his love is seen. He was born of a woman, born under the law, that we might be redeemed from the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Those are the reasons why he was born of a woman and born under the law. In other words, the full rights of those who could expect an inheritance. Do you see what this gospel of grace means? It means that we've been rescued from slavery into sonship, broken free from bondage to sin and death to be brought into the household of God. And from there, what we receive is the indwelling Holy Spirit that now enables us to carry out our salvation's purpose. Not to leave this world, not to just say forget about everyone, not to say forget about all this creation, but to take on the rights and responsibilities of a child of God, to partner with him in renewing creation into the new heavens and the new earth. And in this renewal, we are ourselves renewed by him as well. So what does it actually mean then for a new life to be defined by the gospel of grace and to have a culture of grace? We talk about grace so much, what does it actually mean for us to be defined by this culture? You know, in our individual walks with God, I think we all want to grow and change. I think deep down, you know, that's part of a bigger reason why we come to church, because we think we just want to grow and change. We talk about things like mentorship and discipleship. You know, we partake in things like Bible study and prayer. We have a desire for the reach of our faith to exceed our actual grasp here on earth. But sometimes this leads to us becoming afraid. You know, we grow afraid thinking that if we don't grow, we might lose God's love or lose our place in the family and that spurs us on to seek out these things. Or we feel guilty. We think, man, I'm taking my salvation for granted. You know, what am I doing sitting in this chair every week? I'm not doing anything with it. Fear-based or, or guilt-based growth don't work. They just don't work. If you've been in church for a while and you've experienced this, you know this yourself. A culture of grace, though, it enables us to be changed. It's a change motivated by grace rather than works. This is the exact content of our salvation in the first place. It's the actual thing that will spur us on towards sanctification, towards us us actually becoming holy people. You might temporarily conform through works, but you will never be transformed unless by grace. So here's what glorifying God in the gospel of grace looks like. Grace is what enables us to have worship and to evangelize here in Sydney. Grace is what causes us to lay down our roots and to form deep community here, even in a transient and shallow culture. Grace is what pushes us to integrate faith and work in an increasingly compartmentalized and fragmented society. Grace is what sets our hearts to pursue justice and compassion in a corrupt and polarizing climate. And grace is what makes us seek partnerships within a gospel movement rather than adopt a territorial mindset. Grace transforms us each time that we receive it. It renews our hearts, even as God renews grace in us. His mercies are new each morning. If you haven't experienced a renewal of grace in a while, a problem isn't God. So how does this happen? We receive the gospel of grace as news each time that we hear it and each time that we preach it. It's news of a world-shaking event It's news of something that changes history. It completely turns upside down the condition of the person who receives this news with gladness. It necessitates a response as well. If each week you hear the gospel of grace and there's no response in your heart, if you don't have an overflow of gratitude, push yourself and ask God to actually give you that, to give you the faith to receive it. The gospel of grace is news that God has brought salvation through Jesus Christ, his son. It's not good advice about how we can make things right with God, it's not about how we make amends to God. He's already done that. It's not a how-to manual of how to balance your bad stuff with your good stuff in order to get into heaven. That's not it either. We would never achieve it anyway. We don't achieve salvation, we accept it. It's the free gift of grace from God himself. And grace is renewed in us by the preaching of the gospel, by our own preaching to our own hearts as well, and by telling one another of this gospel of grace once again. The hardest person to evangelize is always your own heart. We need our hearts to be set afire once again towards grace again and again because we have a tendency towards works, brothers and sisters. We tend to make ourselves seek after merit-based salvation. We long to be the heroes of our stories and the stories of those around us. We long to hear people say, man, it's because of that person that I came to know the Lord, instead of by Jesus, rather than accepting that we are actually the ones in need of rescuing. It's our feet that are sinking in the mud but return to the truth of the gospel of grace today and see how its proclamation and the living out of the gospel in contextual society in order to serve the common good of the city will actually change Sydney, will actually change the people around us, bringing many to the saving response of this good news. Next week, we're gonna look at what this practically looks like in a transformative culture of the church. For now, how about we pray? Father, Our feet land firmly in the mud even as we seek to jump and even as we seek to make ourselves seem a little bit higher than those around us, that they might aspire to be like us. My feet are firmly there as well, God. And even as I preach this good news, I know, Lord, where my heart is at, where it tends towards, where it seeks to make myself the hero of my own story. I pray, Father, for all of our hearts here at New Life, all of those that are listening, that you would make them tender once again. We don't want these hearts of stone that are hardened to truth anymore. We want, Lord, to receive from you hearts of flesh, hearts that continue to beat and pulse with the blood of Jesus Christ. We know, Lord, that it's by His blood that we're saved, not by our flesh, not by the content of our character, not by our outward works, or the things that we think about, but Lord, by who He is and what He's accomplished. We thank you, Lord, for this debt of grace that we have, and yet even this debt has been cleared as well. It's good news to our aching souls. It's good news in an age of seeking after personal responsibility or seeking after the outworkings of our hands. To know, Lord, that our meager efforts are enough because your son's efforts were more than enough. We pray, Lord, for a transformative work in our hearts once again. We pray, Lord, that you would give us a great hope, that our hope would reside with Jesus Christ once again, and that through your Holy Spirit, which dwells inside of our hearts, we'd be transformed, that we might receive this good news as news once again each day. Change us from the inside. And Lord, as you change us, change our church. Make it, Lord, so that the culture of our church reflects this grace that we talk about, that we will be a grace-based church that seeks to make it all about the grace of the Savior among us. Not about how good each person is living, but by the goodness of Jesus. Let this be the good news that saves this be the good news that we preach to our own hearts and the hearts of those around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.